Huh? Tuesday night. Yep, I got you. Good morning, Crestview family. Welcome to Crestview Baptist Church on this wonderful Sunday morning. And uh, as we're here to celebrate our homecoming, our anniversary, um, I am so glad to be here. I'm glad each and every one of you have chose to worship with us today. If you're here and you are a guest or a visitor for the first time, we would love to get to know you a little better. There are some cards that you can drop in the offering plate just so we can get to know you, get some information about you. Uh, nothing too personal. Uh, a few announcements to get us started off. Uh, first one, I, I want to remind you that uh, because it is homecoming, because we are celebrating our anniversary as a church, well, there is a meal today after church. Uh, you are invited to come. Um, I've heard there's lots of good food over there. I know I'm excited about it. Anytime there's food, I get really excited. Um, so keep that in mind. Um, this week, I want you to be in prayer for our, for I have eight, uh, eight youth age kids, teenagers, and we are heading, we're not going far, but we are going, we're going to be staying at Shelby Mission Camp from Wednesday to Saturday, and so we'll be out doing some mission work a couple of days in the community, and uh, doing some worships and, and different things, so be in prayer for those kids this week. Um, Tuesday night at six o'clock, or when, as soon as you can get here, uh, we're going to be doing some work around the church. Keep that in mind. Um, as you go out to the um, fellowship hall today, there are 10 dozen eggs in the kitchen that won't make it until breakfast next time. So if you want some eggs, take what you need. Uh, just leave a donation in the basket for them if you want to. Um, they're there. Uh, we have some things coming up. If you've got your uh, bulletin, all these things um, are on there. All the different things we have in our bulletin. If you don't have one, uh, be sure you grab one so you can keep up with all our current events. And uh, don't forget about our Wednesday night services. I will not be here because I will be at Shelby Mission Camp. But uh, there will be, I will make sure that youth and things are covered that night for any that do come. Because I know some of my older kids couldn't come because of football and different things. Um, I don't think I have any more announcements. At this time, I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Artie. And I just invite you to, let's focus on the Lord this morning. Good morning. I do have one announcement. Um, Terry Pendleton is trying to get on Sandra's good side. Because there's all kinds of candy laying up here on the podium that I know is not meant for me or Chad. You know, she fusses at Chad all the time because he's drinking sodas, and she's up here popping chocolates like they're Tic Tacs. <laughs> I don't know about you, but that means she's a hypocrite. <laughs> so, so, Stan, I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> I'm getting the glare. Thank you for being here. You know, 30 years... As a church, we look very different than we did. A lot of changes have taken place, but as I was in our prayer time today, I said, you know, 30 years, a lot of things change, but one thing always stays the same. 
And that's the fact that we serve Jesus Christ, our risen Savior. He will never change. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And He's already been here once because God promised He was going to come. And guess what? He promised that He was coming back again. And He's going to keep that promise too. And so we're here to worship Him. But before we get started, we do. We have a tradition here on homecoming that we light a candle. If you notice these, uh, these frames here, on these frames, there are listed the names and the dates of church members that have gone on to be with their Savior. And we light one long, big candle in honor of all those that have, have gone on home in the past from the beginning of our church. And then we have four smaller candles because we have had four church members in the past year that have gone on. So we're going to light those candles. There's nothing special about these candles other than this is just in memory of them. We have uh, Nell Buff who went home to be with her Savior on September 10th. 2022, just 12 days shy of her 102nd birthday. Marty, Marty Osborne, who went home to be with his Savior on October 8, 2022. Zula Owens, who went home to be with her Savior in January 6, 2023. And then Frank Buff went home to be with his Savior on March 3rd, 2023. So as we remember these that have gone on before us, let us not fail to honor our Lord and Savior because He is the one that we have hope that we will be reunited with Him around the throne of Jesus Christ. So let's uh, go to the Lord of Prayer as we open our time together in worship. Our blessed Heavenly Father, we come before You. Lord, we praise You and we glorify your name. Thank you so much for seeing our church through the past 30 years. Lord, a lot of time has gone between those years. A lot of things have changed. We have been through times of plenty. We have been through times that we were busting at the seams. Dear Lord, we've also been through times that we struggled. We didn't know if, if we were going to be able to keep the, the doors open. But dear Lord, you have remained faithful through it all. Dear Lord, I thank you. I thank you for these people that you have brought together to worship you. Dear Lord, I ask that as we go through this day of remembrance and celebration, that we would not forget we would not forget our first love. Dear Lord, today as we sing, as we celebrate, may you receive all the honor and glory for everything. And dear Lord, I pray that if there is someone here today that does not know you as their Savior, dear Lord, that today would be the day that they meet you face to face. May they come to know you as their Savior. Dear Lord, and I ask and I pray that they will be completely miserable sitting here. That your Holy Spirit will convict them to the point where they cannot wait to come to you. 
So Lord, bless us today. Have your way with us. And it's in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray. Amen. The Bible tells us that our Lord will receive power and glory forever and ever. So let us stand as we sing praises to him. To God be the glory. Page four. Would you sin, please? Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you for our many blessings. And I pray now that you will bless this small portion that we give back to you. 
bless this gift and the giver, for it is your holy name that we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand again as we sing our hymn of praise, Victory in Jesus, 426. As part of our celebration today, we are going to celebrate communion, remembering what Christ did for us. So if I could have our deacons and Chad and Stan come up. Stan is going to help uh, with communion today. The deacons are going to come and serve. And... Uh, Remember what Christ did for us. We as Baptists, we only observe two ordinances in our church. Both of them commanded by Jesus Christ. The first is baptism. An outward display of what happened to us eternally. About our, what actually took place when we accepted Christ as our Savior. The second 
Jesus says, this do in remembrance of Me. And that is the Lord's Supper. Communion. Please, be in prayer as we remember what Christ has done for us. And as Jesus and His disciples were gathered together to take the Passover meal, Jesus took the bread and He broke it. And He said, This is My body that was broken for you. And then He prayed. And Stan is going to bless the bread this morning.
said, take and eat. Then Jesus took the Passover cup and He said, This is My blood 
that is shed for you. And He blessed it. And Stan, you would bless the cup. said, take and drink. As they went out from that place, they took the Gospel with them. And every time we do this, we are remembering and we are celebrating the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you. you may be seated.
You guys have changed since I saw you last. Of course, that was 10 years ago this month. I did not realize I had been retired that long, but I was looking for some material and came across the dates, and I thought, gee whiz. You know, that's a long time for a preacher to be retired and not be able to come back and do other things as well. But then I realized, hey, I'm 10 years older too. And that didn't feel so good. Can I ask the charter members that are here today just to raise your hand? All right. You know, there's getting less and less people every year. I uh, thought about this, and I wanted to come and just share some things from my heart. Uh, and I won't be long, but I am going to be straightforward. There have been many times I stood in this pulpit and was afraid to say what God told me to say. I didn't want any more church fights. I've lived through enough and had been. But this morning, I've asked the Lord to come and His will and His power. Now, I don't want you focusing on me. You know, I'm about, I started to say same size, but no. I'm not quite the same size as I was, but I am the same person. And I want to speak to you from my heart. I'm not preaching at you, I promise. It may sound like it a time or two, but I'm not, that's not my intention. I'm trying to say to you what I believe the Lord has laid on my heart for you, okay? First thing that I want to talk about is the past 30 years. Wow. I was here for about half of that time. But that time has gone so quickly. And in the very beginning, on this date or near this date, this church didn't even have a building. Met up here in Earl Owens with studios. We got the uh, people together. The Lord started blessing. And then he laid upon the hearts of certain ones in leadership to start a building. We did. They did. And look at it now. Don't measure the good of the church by the size of this building. This building is not the church. You are. You are. And I want to challenge you very strongly today to do two things. Now, it's not real hard to come up with two things in 10 years, is it? But that's all I'm asking. And I'm asking it in love. 
because this is my church too. We've not been attending as we would like to, but I want my funeral here, and we've got to get enough young men to carry my fat belly in here. There's two things the church must do. Jesus told us to love one another. He told us also that we need to reach other people. You that have joined the church since I left, I know you have felt the love of the people here. Is that right? Or am I wrong? Come on. Thank you. Thank you. They do love you. They got together when there weren't many of them. And without love to knit them together, they didn't have anything didn't have a building, had a gospel to share, but they did not have much to offer in the way of what people usually think of as a church, a building. So what the first thing I'm going to ask you to do is to make very sure that y'all stay together. Did you hear that southern slip in? Y'all stay together? That's right. If you don't stay together now, this, is, this all can go to a real estate person. And I'm talking about facts, folks. I'm not talking about dreams or something I read on the internet. Shucks, you can drive through the county, this county, and you can see churches that are empty. And the way they stayed open was to latch on to the love of God and share it with each other and share it with everybody else. That's not one of the things we add. That's the thing we start with and finish with. If the church cannot love each other, what are you going to do in heaven? I have a sneaky suspicion you won't be there. Because the Bible repeatedly says that we have to love each other. Love the world. Love the people that are not like us. Thank God. Gradually. 11 o'clock is not the most segregated hour on Sunday. We welcome people of color. We welcome people who are not born American. We welcome people that are not like us. I know I've heard the griping in the hallways 
I've even sat in the living room of people over the almost 50 years of ministry and listened to them gripe and growl and talk about people. God, help them! Because that, in a sense, no, that is a sin against God. If that's one of your habits, give it up. Turn it loose. Give it back to the devil. That's where it came from. And if we can't love people that come here looking to worship God, we might as well go ahead and close the doors and settle all the things that have to be settled and go join somewhere else. But when you go, when you go somewhere else, don't you dare take the hatred, the dislike, the feeling of difference with you. God uses us all, and we're all responsible. Moving quickly to the second thing. I get your news, I get your prayer list and your bulletin every week. You're kind enough to spend how much is stamps? Yep. 70 cents now. Anyway, I look on there and I see that little two lines at the bottom. Budget requirements for the week, 4000 blah, 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 dollars. I look at how much offering was, half of it. How are you going to how are you going to continue if you don't carry out the great commission? When Jesus left the earth, went back to heaven, he gave us some words to follow. And the words that he gave us was go into all the world, make disciples, teach them to be people like me, like God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> you know how you're going to cure that budget deficit? Go out and win people to Jesus. I can't see y'all as good as I used to be able to, but I'm looking in your faces because I want you to hear what I've just said. People will start saying, mm, well, we just don't have half as many as we used to have. So what? So what? When we follow Jesus' commands, we will do something to reach people and help them begin to know Jesus and to love him enough to help you spread the gospel. Do I need to say that again? 
I know my voice got a little tracky, but it's holding up better than I expected. But when we get serious about our church, we'll get serious about the commands of Jesus. I've used for a text this morning the church at Tyra. One of the seven that Jesus talked to in the book of Revelation. He said, I've got somewhat against you. You are lukewarm. How many people in here wants to drink a dead Coke? How many people in here wants to drink a lukewarm cup of coffee? It's not how it's supposed to be. And it's not how it's supposed to be in the church either. When, we, when you have an idea that will help the church, you've prayed about it, you've said, Lord, I, wanna, I don't want to say a word until, until I know it's from you. If you don't bring that to Artie or to the deacons, it's your fault that the church will not reach people. I used to crave ideas, and I got a lot of them from you. Yeah. Do something different. Attract people. If somebody comes and says, and you meet them in Ingalls or wherever, well, what did you think about our church? Well, I'm not sure. We may not come back. Why? Well, it just seems dead. You think I've not heard that? Already, you've heard that. I've heard it. Whose fault is that? Yours? Thank God we've got Chad, better known as the Falston Fury. But thank God we've got him to work with young people. But when there are things that attract people's attention, they want to be a part of, you won't be able to keep them out of here. Because God will draw them home. He will. I'm looking over my notes to see what I have forgotten. You can't have a church without memories. Some of them are good. Some of them are not so good. And I remember, oh me, I have had ulcers in my stomach 
since I was 15 years old. And I've never been able to sleep good. And part of the reason for that was that I was worried about the church. That's seven of them over the years. But you know what? I was stupid. Why? Because Jesus says he's going to be the leader of the church and he will lead us where he wants us to go. And if you follow him there, or if I can lead you there, then that's our business. But we've got to get up and do what the Lord wants us to do, or we're going to continue to sit on this hill with empty school classrooms and a clock that works half time and be nothing more than what we are now. Please don't do that. That hurts my heart because we worked together. Artie's a good man. I like him. I'm afraid not to like him. He's so big. <laughs> but I do like him. And I like all of you. And I love you. In the name of Christ, please consider doing these things. This doesn't happen much, but I'm going to preach too. Last week, Chad said, are you preaching homecoming? I said, yes. He goes, good, because if, if you go four weeks in a row without preaching, they'll think you quit. So I have not quit, and Stan did not know what I was preaching today. And this is going to be short. We're going to get through this quickly, and we'll be done within the next 20 minutes, I, I promise, maybe. Um, but if... Like I said, Stan had no idea what I was going to share. I didn't know what he was going to share. And I looked at a lot of different Scripture, but, but God took me to Revelation chapter 1. Or excuse me, chapter 2. So if you would notice the title of the sermon is Remember, Repent, and Repeat. If you had turned to Revelation chapter, one, or chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 1. If you'd stand as I read this, this is the letter to the church of Ephesus. And this is what it says. We're going to look at verses 1 through 5. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, says this, I know your deeds and your toil and your perseverance and that you cannot endure evil men and you put... To to the test those who call themselves apostles, and they are not, and you found them to be false. And you have perseverance, and have endured for my name's sake, and have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. 
Remember, therefore, where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first, or else I am coming to you and will remove your lamps down out of its place unless you repent. Let's pray. Our blessed Heavenly Father, thank You for what we see here written by John that was revealed to him through Jesus Christ. Dear Lord, speak through me this morning. And it's in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray. Amen. First thing I want to look at is I want to look at to and from. We have to understand something. Look at verse 1 again. To the angel of the church at Ephesus write, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, says this. Well, who is this to? Well, it is literally addressed to the leader of the church, the pastor of the church. But what is contained in here is not just for the pastor. It is for the church. That means that if this said to the, the, uh, to the angel of Crestview Baptist, right. It would mean that, yes, it was addressed to me as the pastor. But it is to the individual members of that church. So God is writing to this church in Ephesus. But, but He's also telling us the same thing. He is telling me. And yes, I am preaching. I am preaching to myself as much as I am preaching to you. But this is written to us. So who's it from? The one that is writing this or speaking these words is Jesus Christ Himself. These images that are, are here that, that hold the seven stars in His right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, these images are taken from John's words written in chapter 1. This is how he is describing Jesus Christ. The one that is there in the midst of the church. Sadly enough, there are churches all over our country and all over the world that are churches in name only because God has no part in them. Jesus Christ is not the center of those so-called churches. I made a promise when I was called as pastor. I made the same promise Paul made that I promised to preach nothing except except Jesus Christ and Him alone. I cannot break that promise. It doesn't matter if I'm preaching a sermon on something that has nothing whatsoever to do with the Gospel of Jesus Christ. I could be preaching about fellowship, but I'm going to tell you something everything's going to circle back to Jesus Christ. You can't read anything in Scripture from the Old Testament to Revelation. From Genesis to Revelation, there is a scarlet thread that runs through the entire Bible. 
And that scarlet thread is the gospel of Jesus Christ. You cannot separate yourself from it. As a church, we cannot separate it because Jesus is in the center of everything. And in fact, this word holds, that holds the seven, or, or holds the, uh, seven stars in His right hand, this is an ancient Greek word. And, and it is Christian. And it is emphatic and a complete word. It literally means grabs hold of. He has got a bear hug, a bear hold on the churches. I remember uh, when I was younger and stupid, now I'm old and stupid, but when I was younger and stupid and could do what my stupid brain thought of, when I was working at the camp, I was like 19, 20 years old, invincible. Um, the camp we worked at, I worked there with my brother and he, and. and friend who is now my brother-in-law and a bunch of other crazy nuts and we were ski instructors lifeguards and we kept noticing this little alligator popping up in the lake well it wasn't as little as we thought it was so we're out there in the ski boats and in the canoes and the windsurfers and we're seeing this gator pop up and we're diving in after it trying to catch it we could never catch it. It always got away from us. And so they contacted uh, the wildlife department. They came out in the airboat one night and they caught this alligator. And it was great because we're sitting up in the, in the office of the camp and it's got a big picture window and we're sitting there watching them go around the lake with searchlights on an airboat and we're watching them do that. And all you can see is the spotlight all over the lake. Well, then they come back up to the, to the office and they've got the gator with them and they had caught it. That gator was over four feet long. My boss looks at us and says, you bunch of dummies, what would you have done if you had caught that thing? And I told him these exact words, I don't know, but I sure would not have let go of it. <laughs> let me tell you something. Jesus needs to have a hold of us because He's not going to let go of us. We may walk away from Him, but He's not going to let go. And then this is another thing. Jesus knows. Jesus knows. Look at verses 2 and 3. I know your deeds, your toil and perseverance, and that you cannot tolerate evil men, and you, do, and you put to the test those who call themselves apostles, and they are not and you found them to be false, and you have perseverance and have endured for My name's sake and have not grown weary. Let me tell you, we cannot hide anything from Jesus. Jesus looks at us and He immediately knows the condition of His church. He knows. He knows what kind of shape we're in. He looks at us as individual members of our church and He knows what kind of condition we are in. See, sometimes we like to sit here and, 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 make, and put on these appearances that we've got everything together. That we have no, no problems. That everything is okay. 
We do that in our individual lives. We do that in our family lives. That our family are falling apart at the seams. And, and, and we want everybody to think, we're okay. We're the family that got it all together. But church, we do the same thing with our church. Somebody that comes in and sits in a church service, they may say, oh, this is a happening church. Just going. Jesus looks through all of that. And He sees to the heart of the matter and He knows our condition from the get-go. He knows the good things that we've done. He knows the bad things that we've done. He knows the mistakes that we've made. Jesus knows. You see, this church at Ephesus, this is really where Paul started his ministry and he spent many years here in Ephesus. Apollos spent many years ministering in Ephesus. See, Ephesus was the the center for the worship of the Greek god Diana. And the temple to Diana was here in Ephesus. It was an immoral place. You see, Diana was worshipped by by the use of temple prostitutes. That's how they worshipped Diana. See, this temple was so huge that it is actually listed as one of the seven wonders of the world. It was a place of trade where all countries came together. And this is where Paul ministered and started a church there. And the church grew and they prospered and God blessed them. But then you've got this word. In my version, it's but. In the King James Version, it's nevertheless. What a loaded word. Nevertheless. Verse 4, but I have this against you. Nevertheless, I have this against you. That you have left your first love. <coughs> this word. This short little verse. And that one word, this, this word, what it literally means is that despite all of the good stuff that you've done, I've got this against you. Despite all the good, you have this problem. And the distinction, what does it say there? What does it say that his problem is? You have left your first love. And there is a distinction that we have to pay attention to. that The distinction between losing and leaving. They didn't lose their first love. It says they left their first love. You see, that's an important distinction and we got to realize this. Is this church never stopped working? Jesus says, you have not grown weary for my sake, my namesake. They are continuing to do what their job was to do. But in doing that, 
they left their first love. They didn't lose it. See, you can lose something accidentally. Just ask my wife. She can be holding her cell phone and, and two minutes later she has no idea where it is. Sometimes I'll do this when I'm looking at something up close and then I'll say, I can't find my glasses. Where are my glasses? Ginger, do you see my glasses? And they're up on top of my head. I put my keys on my finger like this to do something and then I go to get in my truck and I can't find my keys. And I'm, looking, I'm doing this and I'm looking all over the place. I can't find my keys and they're on my hand. Those are all by accident. It happens. But when you leave, it is a conscious decision. And it may not be an immediate decision. It may happen over time. But you leave your first love. What does that mean? Well, it means that the work gradually became more important than the one you were working for. you guys hear what I said? The work became more important than the one that you're working for. It is a real danger. It happens to pastors all the time. That ministering takes center stage instead of the one that you're supposed to be ministering for. Stan said this, this building does not make the church. But I'm going to tell you, in some instances, not necessarily just this church, but it has happened here, but other churches as well. The material things, the building, the equipment, become center Focused. And it literally becomes an idol in the church. And what does God say? You shall not have any gods before me. But it becomes the most important thing. They left it. They left their first love. They forgot their first love. But you know what? This next verse is great. Because Jesus Himself tells us how to fix it. Look at verse 5. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first, or else I am coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. The first step, remember. The first step in restoration for the Ephesian church and for our church is to remember what we did before. Who was it that we were in love with? Why did we do what we did? It's because we fell hopelessly and madly in love with Jesus Christ. But sometimes we lose sight of that. It's an example. You know why there's so many marriage retreats? It's because couples, married couples, need to be reminded 
to fall back in love with each other. And I'm going to share something with you. This November, Ginger and I will be married 30 years. Nowhere close to where some of you guys are. But we love grossing our kids out. <laughs> Loving on each other, kissing each other, calling each other names like honey and sweetie and sugar pie or hot mama or, or you know, something like that. She doesn't call me that, by the way. I call, I call her that. I, I'm silly old bear. And there, let me, I'm not going to lie to you, there are times I would rather put her through a wall than to kiss her. Uh, that's what I was about to say. And I know for a fact that there's times that she would rather hit me over the head with a frying pan than even speak to me. In fact, just the other day, I walked out and she locked me out of the house. But I remembered where my keys were that time and I got back in the house. But the fact remains, I am as, in, as much in love with her today, 30 years after, than when I was, when I went and asked her, because I told you the story. Our first date, I told her I loved her. And her eyes bugged out because I had spent over a month with my friends praying about asking her out. By the time I asked her out, I was hopelessly and endlessly in love with her. And she said, I can't tell you that. And I said, that's okay, because me and God's already got this worked out. <laughs> I was a cocky thing, but I was positive. I knew that I knew that I love this woman. Does she make me mad? Yes. Madder than anybody that could ever make me. She does it. But I love her more than anybody on this earth. And even when she's making me mad, I would still do anything for her. Church, that's the kind of love that we need to have for Jesus Christ. That when we think about where we were and what Jesus did, we get weak in the knees. Because we're so in love with our Savior. That's the kind of love we've got to have. And we need to do those things. You remember guys opening the door and just giving a I love you note and sticking it on her windshield or, or just getting her a piece of candy chat, you know, Whitey, that's Sandra's love language is chocolate, if you didn't know that yet. Um, <laughs> you guys remember that? Doing things for them. Even if they didn't do anything in return, you remember that? Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because, why? He first loved 
me. Even when we were unlovable, He loved us. Even when we were His enemy, He loved us. We need to get back to doing those things because we love Jesus Christ. And when we love somebody, let me tell you something. When we get married, what is a symbol of our marriage and our love for the other person that we wear around everywhere so people will see it? Laura, you may have to talk to him about that. But let me show you something. I take mine off. Can you guys see that? It doesn't matter if I've got this ring on or not. That woman has left a mark on me. And I can't hide that. I mean, I might as well have it in my nose. I mean, she's, she's left a mark on me. Well, let me tell you something. When we fall in love, madly and deeply in love with Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ makes a mark on me that we can't, or on us, that we cannot hide. And we need to let people see that. The second thing is that we have to repent. This is not a command to feel sorry for yourselves. It is really not a command to feel anything. It is a command to change directions. Stop doing what you're doing and turn around and go the, different, the other direction, a full 180 away from the way you're heading and head the way of God. That's what it's saying. That's what repent means. You do an about face and go the other direction. We can feel sorry all the day long for what we've done wrong and the mistakes we've made, but until we change direction, nothing will change in our lives. We have to change. We have to repent. And then the third is repeat. This means that we must go back to the basics. To the very first thing that we did when we first fell in love with Jesus. And we need to keep doing that time and time again. What are the things that you do when you first fall in love with Jesus? What is the very first thing the preacher usually says when somebody comes forward and says, hey, I've accepted Christ. What is one of the first things they tell you to do? Tell somebody. Every time I have led somebody to the Lord, I have told them immediately, let's go tell somebody. We have to tell people about what Jesus did to us. What He's done for us. We're also excited and we're also obedient. We want to do. We read the Bible, we study. Let me tell you something. I am getting excited because there's been a lot of conversation over the last year where people are asking me questions. They're saying, what did you mean when you said this? Or what does it mean when it says this? Or is this in the Bible? People are paying attention. And they're wanting to know. When you first fall in love with that person that you've married to, when you first met them, you may not have even liked them, but gradually you became to where you wanted to know more and more about them. And that first year of marriage, that is all that first year of marriage is, is about. Is learning everything. And let me tell you something. 30 years of being married to this woman 
is not nearly enough for me to understand everything about her. And any man that is married will know that you are constantly learning things about your wife. I'm going to tell you this too. Every single day that I sit back there in my office and I dig through Scripture and I read commentaries and I, I, I prepare sermons and Bible studies, I am constantly learning more about my Savior. And the more I learn, the more I want to know. That is what we need to do. We need to fall in love so we're constantly wanting to know more and more about our Savior. But then Jesus says one last thing. Or else. Jesus gave them a stern warning. Unless they repent, He will remove the light and His presence from them. Stan said in our county there's churches that are shut down and there are. You can go by and drive past empty churches all the time. You see, 1 Samuel says this. 1 Samuel 4.21 says, And she called the boy Ichabod, saying, The glory has departed from Israel because of the ark of God has taken or was taken and because of his father-in-law and her husband. Ichabod. The glory of the Lord has departed this place. I don't know about you, church. But I don't want the doors of this building locked and Ichabod ridden across the top of the door frame. Because I don't want the glory of the Lord to leave this place. I don't want the presence and light of Jesus Christ to leave this place. So I challenge you that in the coming years that we will do everything that we can do to regain and renew that love we have for Jesus Christ. To the point where it affects what we do. And we do anything and everything that we can do to tell everybody about Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you something. Now this is going to sound weird coming from a preacher. I don't care if they come and join this church or not. But I do care if they know Jesus Christ is their personal Savior. We need to do everything that we do, can do. And it doesn't matter what it is. The breakfast. The Baptist Men's Project. The WMU Projects. VBS. Summer Camp. doesn't matter what it is that we do. All of it needs to focus on winning people to Jesus Christ. Everything that we do needs to be an outreach. But I need to tell you this. You look at the story of Pentecost or all through Acts. It doesn't say that those people added people to the church. All they did was be obedient and go and do 
what God told them to do. And sharing the love of Jesus Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ with everybody they could. And then how does it say that they, people were added to the church? God did it. God added them to the church. This is not our church. This is not my church. This is the church, church that I pastor. This is my church family. But this is Jesus' church. He is the center of our church. That's how our church started. With Jesus at the center. And this is how we need to continue with Jesus as the center of our church. As we sing this song of invitation, this is your opportunity to remember, repent, and repeat. This is your opportunity. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, this is your opportunity. Whatever it is that God is calling you to do, this is your opportunity as we sing this song. Would you stand as we sing our hymn of invitation, 312, softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. Thank you for celebrating 30 years with us. Now remember, we've got a meal in the fellowship hall immediately following the service. Please allow our senior adults to go first and get in line. Um, kids, teenagers, do not trample anybody. Just hold back. There's going to be plenty of food. Let this, our senior adults go first. And, um, but thank you for being here. Don't forget Wednesday night. Bible study, we're going to continue our, our uh, study of James here in the sanctuary, as well as uh, there's going to be something for youth and children in the building at 6.30. And pray for our Chad and Laura and, and the other adults and the youth that are going to uh, Deep Impact um, weekend. Uh, they'll be done Saturday or Sunday? Saturday. Okay. And um, as they work, they're going to be going out into the community and, and ministering. So uh, please pray for them as they do that. And now I'm going to ask Robbie if he would come and dismiss our service and bless our food. I just want to say thank you to Artie. Thank you to Stan for what y'all have done over the years because y'all have meant a lot to me. 
And I just want to thank everybody for being here today. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for today. Lord, we just be like Stan said, go out and be, do the Great Commission and love one another and lead people and teach, love each other. Lord, and we also ask you to bless this food, nourish our bodies. In your name we pray. Amen.